in a world where Mad Lab Theater. What are you doing? Making the Mad Lab ad for Cinema Wheeler Tay. Oh, here's my other one. Susan thought it was just another day, and then she met Mad Lab. Why don't you just say that Mad Lab is the new works theater in downtown Columbus, featuring hilarious comedies, powerful dramas, improv with FFN, the annual Young Writers Festival, and the longest running shorts festival in central Ohio, Theater Roulette. That sounds pretty awesome, especially when I do it over the Star Wars theme. Star Wars is always a good choice. Mad Lab, the original. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit us at madlab.net. of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott, as usual. Hi. Hey. And we're joined, as usual, by a very special guest. They're all <laughs> very special. They're all very special. This one's particularly special. That's what we know. always say. Maybe not as special as others, but more special uh, more than so, some. More so than others, but not Oh, no, every, right, we yeah. love everybody. Yeah. yeah, we do. We love everybody equally. Um... But he is a great guy. He is his first time on the podcast. Uh, he's from uh, the improv troupe, the Super Secret Show, and he's also a local stand-up comic here in Columbus. It's Adam Novak, everybody. Yeah. Welcome, yes. Adam. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Hopefully, that was a sufficient intro. You know, I guess. I, <laughs> I feel very special. If you've special. taken anything yes. from that, know that you're special. Yes. All right. <laughs> My wife's a special ed teacher, so I guess it's appropriate. There and you're you extra special. Yeah. <laughs> And today, uh, Adam's joining us uh, to talk about uh, kind of an obscure little scene film that nobody's <laughs> too familiar with. It's from 1939, so we're going way back. It's called uh, The Wizard of Oz. You know, I don't know how many people are familiar with this, but we want to expose this movie <laughs> and give it a broader audience than it's ever had, you know, so. Yeah, I heard it was an independent film. Yeah, I heard, yeah. If MGM was an independent studio, man, I'm sure. I'm sure they felt yeah. that way. Felt, I mean, it only had cult following. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think it had like the biggest director at the time that directed it. So, mm-hmm. well, it had like five directors. That's so. Yeah, it did. It was, and it, it had was, like uh, five of the biggest directors. Right. Yeah, it was credited to a guy. I think it was um, Victor Fleming, yes. and he was double doing double duty between The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, which is why I think there were so many directors yeah. involved with the production. Well, know? yeah, he left He left partway through to take over Gone with the Wind. But then kind of helped out. Yeah. I know he, he had a lot of influence with some of the specifics of The Wizard of Oz. Did he do the yeah. color or the black and white? Um, I think he did the color, because there, so, there, yeah. was, there was somebody else that did, like, just the, the I think the first guy that was on, because Victor Fleming wasn't the first guy. Yeah. Somebody else was on. I think he actually did all the yeah. black, black and white stuff. And they were they were having a lot of trouble, and they called Victor Fleming to kind of help get this movie back on track. Mm-hmm. They were having a lot of production issues and setbacks with casting and things like that. And so Victor Fleming said, okay, well, I guess I could take a break from Gone with the Wind and help you guys out. Well, they had a huge cast well, in yeah. certain places, like the Munchkins. Yeah, I think they're like the director's like uh, George Cooker, who's a great director. He directed Cooper, the Phil- yeah. yeah, he directed the Philadelphia Story and uh, yes. um, 
I think he directed My Fair Lady, the the it's the Audrey, Did he? yeah. I think he might have, yeah. yeah. And uh, a guy named King Vidor. King <laughs> which Vidor. is the greatest the yes. greatest directorial he, name. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so there was a variety, like, I think the MGM operated that way back then. They were a studio, so they had multiple, especially these mm-hmm. massive productions. Yeah. They would have different people come in to kind of facilitate. And I think Fleming got the credit for both Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. He definitely is the one that's on the film. Yeah. Because he has the title credit anyway. Think about that. Here's a guy that in the same year ended up getting the full credit as a director on The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. It's like two of the top <laughs> movies ever. Yes. These aren't small you know, little scene productions, you know, but in general, the movie that they did come up with is, I, I can't think of outside of Star Wars, a film that's had a bigger impact on our culture. Like, I, I don't think yeah. a day goes by where somebody... That and Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would actually say Wizard of Oz has a much bigger impact in general in pop culture than Gone with the Wind, because you think there doesn't, a day doesn't go by where somebody isn't referencing the Wizard of Oz. Oh, absolutely. The, the lines of dialogue. I mean, Star Wars is probably the only other film I can think of where people are regularly, you know... Citing it or referencing it in some way. And the Princess Bride. And the Princess Bride, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Easy Rider. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Everybody gets on their bikes and rides out into the wilderness. Well, and I think that's true because one of the great things about Wizard of Oz is it appeals to such a vast audience. You know, kids, teenagers, adults, elderly people. It doesn't really discriminate against, uh, you know, the viewer. Where I feel like Gone with the Wind is more of an acquired taste. Yeah. Little kids really wouldn't. Watch Gone with the Wind, they wouldn't understand it. And and, and not to, to knock Gone with the Wind, yeah. it's the highest Absolutely. grossing movie. Like if you go by adjusted for inflation for ticket sales, mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind is the the highest grossing movie of I all time. I thought Titanic was. No, that's yeah. without adjustment. Oh, okay. if you go by adjustment, like it goes into the billions for Gone gotcha. with the Wind. It's okay. it sold that much. Wizard of Oz was not a big hit when it was first released. Actually, well, I think because it had to be behind the shadow of Gone with the Wind. <laughs> well, I, I think I think too it was it was not considered a, a big hit just because its budget was so big. Yeah, yeah. The it cost it cost so much and a bunch of over they overran the costs and yeah. It and actually made so, money, yeah. just not like it didn't well, make yeah, it, I, I, well, their it overhead did, it, so high. it didn't actually make money until they re-released it ten years later. It kind of like almost broke even on the initial release, mm-hmm. but it was still still made like a ton of money. Sort of like I don't know how we consider like. A, Mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, where it's like right. <laughs> made a ton of money, but everybody's like, "Oh, it's still, still yeah, yeah, I know." Yeah, if it doesn't meet your expectations, like Adam was saying, the costs were so high to make this movie, and they had so many setbacks. Like production had to be delayed multiple times, which that cost you money, you know. So, well, the special effects were great. I mean, the tornado scene still looks real. It really does. Yeah, that was that was one thing that caught me. Like watching again was like. Yeah, it doesn't look as photorealistic as something you see today, but it just it looks so cool. Yeah, it does. And when the Wicked Witch appears, the fire, Mm -hmm. I mean, that looks seamless. And Glenda with the bubble, Mm -hmm. how beautiful and seamless that looks. It just, all of a sudden, boom, now she's she's here. I mean, it just is phenomenal. You can't see the the trap doors and stuff. You can see that stuff. But that's what makes it, I think, cool. It feels kind of real in terms of, like, a real production. There's some magic Almost to like it. a stage Yeah, production. like a magic yeah. show in yeah. some aspect. But I mean, even still, even though if you can see a little crack of a, of a trap door, yeah. it's still fascinating. And considering yeah. the time, it really looked real. It's not distracting either. No, yeah. and the scenes where she was, the witch was flying, I mean, it didn't look like she was on a string. Mm-hmm. No. You know, it really was incredible. Mm-hmm. I love the tornado sequence in this movie for, I mean, for a personal reason, which is Scott and I actually lived through an F5 tornado, which hit our hometown in 1985. So I must have seen this before 1985, but 
so I have a real specific fixation with tornadoes. So when I see <laughs> this, it's like my favorite uh, movie tornado. Still, I you see a movie like Twister, they feel kind of artificial, even though it's CGI. We got cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is a reference to this movie, I yeah, think, because there's a cow that gets uh, yeah, that goes in the tornado. Yeah. This is still scarier, though. I guess it's because the story's so much stronger that you do feel the stakes of this tornado hitting the storm. And, yeah. and also, this the tornado scene where Dorothy's, you know, in the cyclone or in, yeah, going around and round. Um, the, the scene that always scared me when I was a little kid when Mrs. Gulch turned into the Wicked Witch because mm-hmm. at that point yeah. we didn't know who she was yet. You know, yeah. it just was a scary witch. All of a sudden, that appeared at the window, and it just—I mean, it really—you really felt like that house was spinning. Yeah, you did. You did. I mean, it, it and felt... the bed was flying around the room, and you know, it just—it really is remarkable. Well, Mrs. Yeah. Gulch is worse than a wicked witch. I kind of <laughs> think so too. She doesn't have an excuse for being a witch. I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, she got bit by the dog. I mean, <laughs> you think she's justified? Kind of, this understand. Yeah. I think that yeah. dog had every right to bite her. That lady was mean. And Dorothy's like. He just gets into our garden every once in a while and tears it up. It's like, if a dog was doing that to my house, I'd be, I'd be a little upset. Yeah. We're only seeing this from the point of view of the Gales, too. Yeah. We haven't seen her side of the story, you know. Well, yes, we have. It's called Wicked. That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If you want the alternate you know, take on this, go see Wicked. I'm just saying that the w- Wicked Witch, she has, that's her job. Is to be the wicked witch, you yeah. Know, until someone yeah, can kill that's her. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that seems what they do. They, we're <laughs> witch until we can be. Yeah, she's that's, that's, yeah. that's just her nine to five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas Mrs. Gulch just is like her. her she's hobby. got. She you know, she's got yeah, she's being evil. She's an asshole, you know, by her own merit. You know, I always loved it when when um, Annie M is like Elmira Gulch. I've been wanting to tell you something for twenty years. Yeah. Now being a Christian woman, I I can't say it. I remember that. I love that too. And then uh, 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 the uncle turns away. He's like yeah. smiling. What's his, what's his uncle name? Uncle Henry. Uncle Henry. And that's Auntie right. Anne. Yeah. Aunt Emma always sticks out more than Uncle Henry for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I, I watched it and like two seconds later, I'm like, what was it? I was well, yeah, yeah. I, I keep forgetting it, it. Yeah. That's also too because like during the movie, she's crying and she's like, Auntie yeah. Anne, Auntie Anne. It's iconic with yeah. her name. Yeah. yeah. Like she doesn't go Uncle Henry. Nobody, you know. Yeah, doesn't really they're, they're like 50 years older than Dorothy. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so, uh, that, was, yeah. that was the thing I picked up on. Yeah. Watching yeah. Again. Kind of like, like where are her parents? And why are her aunt and uncle so they much might, older? Than they might have died. Yeah. Her parents might have died. Yeah. And they could be like great. Because this is supposed yeah. to be in the 1800s, I think. No, I the story. I, no, I think it's supposed to take place like in 1938. Oh, is it? The witches. The, the death certificate for the witch in like the uh-huh. the Munchkinland scene says it's like Frank Baum's. The, I don't even know. Yeah. 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 wrote the book. P.T. Barnum. Frank Baum. I take P.T. Barnum. Bro, yeah, it's like like the, like the witch's death was like the date of his death, mm-hmm. 1938. Oh, like okay. Yeah, wow. the book was actually published in 1900. I actually had a series of Oz books. That's wrong. why I'm thinking yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be a turn. And movie. actually, like I remember in school they were teaching us that like. There's so many. It was really symbolic of America at the time. It's a lot of political mm-hmm. subtext to the book. Like the reason it's north, south, east, and west has to do with where people were represented. Now, the actual context. I'm not a historian, so I can't remember exactly what was going on with American politics at the time. But I know that they were all reflective of different yeah, regions. It was, it was, yeah, it was, you know. Yeah, and back then in 1900, the, the West was still a little unknown. Yeah, like the western part of the country. It was, you know, so there's the north, there's the east, and there's the west. And the savage Indians were out there, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know what the East would be. What would be? That was the sister who died with, from the house. She was a wiggle. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if that was a political, was it America it, it, or the world? No, it was America. It was America. It was the East. The East was supposed to represent like the moneyed interests of like the banks and stuff. And the North was like the Quaker North. The North, yeah, the North, <laughs> the North was like more, yeah, more like Midwest kind of. And South is just Kansas. Not talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah South is South, South not represented. <laughs> no, it's not represented at all. And <laughs> and uh, Kansas is is symbolic too the reason that they emphasize kansas there's something going on with kansas at that point yeah. i always wish um, that gene wilder would show up with the munchkins it's like you guys are working for me <laughs> i'm the wicked witch of the but, south but he would have to come in doing like that roll flip thing that oh yeah that, 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 undoubtedly he has just to do appear that. on the elbow grove like hello everybody come with me one of the best bits of acting of gene wilder's i got life. 500 just pounds of simple. green paint <laughs> Do you guys like chocolate? I have a chocolate river. (laughs) And I'm meaner than the Wicked Witch. But you don't know that. Because sometimes I'm mean and sometimes I'm good. (laughs) I'm Glenda and the Witch and one man. Well, one Uh, one tidbit I think is cool, going back to the book, and this is talking about Victor Fleming's influences, he decided to change the um, shoes from silver slippers to ruby red. Mm -hmm. So then they became the ruby slippers. In the book, they're actually silver. Yeah, I think they were originally silver, but the, they decided it would, they look, it would look it. better yeah. in Technicolor with, exactly. the, with the red. And I mean, think about how iconic that is, the ruby red slippers. Like, I can't imagine them any other color. No, I. that's the problem I have, I think, when I watch other iterations of The Wizard of Oz or Oz in general mm-hmm. in any other medium, is especially when I was a kid, this really bothered me. Like, this movie captures things, it captures your imagination, and that's the topic I want to get into, is our first impressions of this, how we first came around it, but... I have a hard time, like watching something like Return to Oz or that recent film that came out, like with oh, James, James Franco, Franco. Uh, Oz, Oz, the Great and Powerful. Yeah. And some of those movies reference this, but it, it it feels like, man, I want to see Judy Garland. I want to see the actual Scarecrow, the the Tin Tin Man. Right, yeah. And then you find out with the books, like they aren't as iconic, they aren't as important to the books, the specific characters as they are in the film. Like the film almost feels like a separate piece of work. Yeah. A separate piece of art than the books, almost. It was a uh, well, the it, film because it was yeah. MGM, which was all about making stars. And musicals, I think was, was yeah. yeah, they were definitely trying to make Dorothy or uh, Judy Garland into a huge and Marvel it did. star. And it yeah. did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and where's Bruce of Bulk now? So you know, I that's mean, it, <laughs> she, was, she was in the craft. She was in the craft. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to speak about Victor Fleming, he was accused of being violently pro-Nazi as well. So I heard that too. I didn't hear that. I heard that too. But there's uh, now, now to be fair, it was by someone that barely knew him. There's also those weird so. Disney things going on yeah. during that time too, with Walt Disney and you know unions and stuff like that. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, this was almost it was almost going to be a, a Disney MGM. Uh, they were going to do this together, and Disney was going to do like animation. For on top of live, live action that MGM was going to film, oh, Cause, that would cause, be yeah, because Disney after Snow White wanted to film The Wizard of Oz, but right. MGM had the rights to it, so they they tried to work out an agreement and it like fell apart. I actually did read um, um, that um, Snow White. Uh, inspired Wizard of Oz. Like, the reason that MGM's greenlit the film was because Snow White had been so enormously successful mm-hmm. that uh, MGM decided to greenlight this as... And they were specialized in musicals. MGM obviously yeah. had the Tom yeah. and Jerry cartoons, but they couldn't do a full-fledged yeah. animated... I mean, that was the first animated feature ever. Snow White. Snow White. Yeah. 
So and it was such a monumental success, and everybody thought it was a risk that MGM was inspired. We got to capitalize on that. But then they said that they thought that audiences would be too sophisticated to buy it as a full-fledged fantasy, which is why Oz turned into a dream sequence, because they thought audiences back then, because fantasies weren't really that popular yeah. at that point in time. Which I think was a smart move. I really love the distinction between the, the real black-and-white, dull aspect of life, and then all of a sudden you go into this technicolor dream world. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know, I... I never liked that it was just a dream, like, at the end. When it seemed like yeah. such a cop-out. Because it's yeah. like, wait a minute, you're telling me, this whole time you were just telling me about a dream you had? Yeah. I hate when people tell me about dreams. It's like, <laughs> it's like one but of like, the three things that like, no one wants the, to hear about. <laughs> right. It was, the movie was a lesson. Yeah. You know, the lesson of, you know, there's no place like home, and don't take life for granted, and don't take the people in your life for granted. And, and they do this by making Oz look like a wonderful place to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much better than... Yeah, I know. But it's it was, like, but even, I think it's a terrible place. It did have yeah, scary, it, it, it very is, scary aspects is. of it. I mean, the trees and the flying monkeys. And yeah. I do like the Art Deco green castle of the wizard, though. I do, too. I could live yeah. there. Yeah. I kind of want to know what the, what the economy of the Emerald City is. Yeah. Because like, like, they show up, assume, you know, I assume they have no money. Yeah, and then they're immediately taken to like this place where it's like they get like full like ship shop and called. like yeah, right. like, like how much snip here, snip snip there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you each got like four people dedicated <laughs> to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, looking. That's, 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 that's like a that's like a couple hundred dollars spa day, and they're just they just get that for free. Well, I know. And Dorothy says, I always like the line when she says, "Can you even dye my eyes to match my gown?" Uh huh. Jolly good time. I look at if you compare fantasy lands, like Wonder Wonderland is not a place anybody wants to live. It's disconcerting, no. it's scary, yes. it's it, it warps abstract. your brain, it's abstract, and everybody talks in limericks and rhymes and it, you you know, you don't know where you are. Oz is a little more straightforward and I like the scarecrow and I can hang out with those dudes, you know, the scarecrow. The it's tenor. very lonely. There's no traffic yeah. on the yellow brick road. Literally no, no. no one else they come across, <laughs> except for the witch. People who they come across a scarecrow who's tied to something, a, a, a rusted up tin man, and a, a lion, which yeah. is just you know, <laughs> it's it's really it's really the modern uh, yeah. kind of walkability like the, yeah. we're trying to do with cities now because like no nobody nobody commutes to to work everybody like lives right where their work looks like well, right. no, one, no one's too, using the highways yeah. yeah I think partly too it was supposed to be that way because it seemed like there were villages or towns that mm-hmm. people were in. Like Munchkinland, or in Oz itself, or wherever the wicked, whatever part of the, you know, place the Wicked Witch was in. So the Yellow Brick Road was just sort of like a means to get places. But I don't really got the impression that people really traveled. No, the Munchkins though had a much more open. You could walk into the Munchkin Kingdom. Just walk in. You <laughs> yeah. go to the Emerald City. You got to knock on the door, and they got to let you in. And you but gotta, the Munchkin okay. Land is where the Elbrick Road started or ended, depending on your mm-hmm. perception of it. Yeah, they had the start. Because remember, yeah. it st- that was the start. Or it could road. be the ending it was, point it was, too. It was the end of one trunk because you know that, that part where there's like it splits off. Like, oh, oh good point. yeah. yeah. That's Very a good, good point. point. So maybe all the all of them and and remember the the road cut off right before they got to Emerald City too, yeah. and then it was like a nice little walkway. So I guess that's it. It just takes you to different mm-hmm. points on the on the map basically mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it, it, it's a great design too like oh, I, I love cool. i love the technicolor uh how vibrant the colors are in oz like it's the technicolor masterpiece but I, I also love how glossy it is too yeah the film has a softness to it that i like mm-hmm. even though it's vibrant and bright there's sort of like an antiquated softness about it that i really like 
there's like I was talking earlier, there is a Art Deco influence on on oh, some of the designs because yeah. that was really in vogue at that point in the 30s and oh, 40s, absolutely. especially in the Wizard's Castle. I love the Wizard's Castle because it's it's a it's a modern castle. Like you notice, it, it's it's fantasy, but it's with modern designs incorporated into it. You Whereas know? the Wicked Witch's Castle was a little bit more medieval. Yeah. Emerald City, I guess, is, is really modern. what it is. And yeah. Emerald's a great color, by the way. It looks oh, gorgeous in this <laughs> I can see why people are into Emerald and Oz. Well, after Emerald is this. kind of one of those colors that I feel like looks good on anyone. Redheads, blondes, brunettes, whatever color skin you have. It's just a beautiful color. It would be weird to see somebody wearing an Emerald suit <laughs> out in public. Like, hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm just trying to blend in with my Emerald suit. <laughs> emerald tie. You maybe know. an Emerald tie and a black suit. Yeah, maybe, you know. So I was going to get into uh, one topic, like how we all came across this, because I think everybody has a memory of seeing Oz for the first time, or their first impression of the movie. And I'd like to start with Tony on that one and go through okay. everybody. Well, The Wizard of Oz was my very first ever favorite movie, and I remember seeing it um, for the first time before I was five. I don't remember exactly when, but I know I lived in Philadelphia at the time, so that was before I was five. And I used to watch it almost every day. I just was obsessed with it. Um, and I think mostly for some of the reasons that we just discussed. It's just this beautiful, um, vibrant masterpiece. I love the characters. I love the songs. Um, I just like the journey that Dorothy's character took. But I have really strong memories of um, the, the music from it, especially Somewhere with the Rainbow. I had one of those little Fisher-Price um, you know those little cassette players that had the microphone on the side? Mm -hmm. Well, I had one of those, and I and I had the Wizard of Oz soundtrack on cassette. This is like mm -hmm. circa 1989. And I used to go up uh, upstairs in our bathroom. We had a skylight. And I remember going up into the bathroom and closing the door, and this was like my time. And I would play somewhere over the rainbow, and I used to sing into my little microphone and like look up out of the skylight and pretend that I was Dorothy. Um, and I don't know. I just have such fond memories of this movie and my mom loved the movie my dad has loved the movie as well and it's one of those movies that sort of helped identify my character in some ways and um I don't know it's just one of those films that I kind of latched on to and even now like growing up every year for Christmas our parents would get us an ornament I used to always get Wizard of Oz ornaments and I remember uh in the early 90s there was like a Wizard of Oz resurgence and they sold um I used to have a plastic pair of ruby red slippers, like those little play kind that you could put on. And I used to wear them around the house. And mm -hmm. I had a Dorothy Barbie doll, which was a huge deal. And <laughs> I had like all kinds of Wizard of Oz, like <laughs> memorabilia stuff that I, I, I vividly remember uh, playing with and loving. And everyone in my family knew that I loved Wizard of Oz. And even to this day, my mom will still mail me Wizard of Oz stuff. And it's just, it's one of those movies that stayed with me yeah I don't, I don't remember how old i was when i first watched it but i just remember like and like this is a, the, the kind of thing i think that like kids nowadays kind of miss out on i just remember it was such an event because it mm -hmm. was like i don't remember who had it It was like cbs had it and they would like play it once a year mm -hmm. and it was like if you didn't watch it that day like you would you couldn't yeah. see it again for oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like i remember yeah. yeah i remember like like me and my brother and sister and cousins would like all get together and like we'd build a we'd build like a blanket fort in the you know in the yeah. living room and we'd watch the movie and i can remember being like just terrified of like, the wicked witch and the the flying monkeys and stuff and it's like that's why it's, it's hard to like watch it now and like kind of critique it because like i 
there's so much nostalgia for it mm-hmm. for just like that that event and that kind of community feeling you got with watching it that it's like it kind of tinges like everything um yeah. you know when you're watching it now it's like because it's like kind of looking at it, it's like this this isn't like a the types of movies that i enjoyed like as a kid but i love this movie <laughs> yeah. so it was like yeah. i don't know it was just like so much fun just knowing that like it was just like you know you got together with everybody and you watched it and you know seen it so many times it was something look forward to yeah. yeah and it's like I, I after i watched it like this week you know to, you know, to prepare for this it was like after i was done watching it, i was like i wish i had watched it with my kids to kind of yeah. get what their reaction was because we watched it i watched it with them when they were little and we built with a blanket for it and watched it like on our computer on my computer but they were pretty little and i was kind of it's kind of interested now i'm kind of interested now to have them watch it and see what you know what they think of like the special effects because like yeah to me like the special effects seem to hold up and stuff but i think mm-hmm. it's yeah. some of that's like nostalgia and mm-hmm. you know some of it's you know colored by my uh i think it's my, so by my cool. crush on judy garland from yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i think it's so cool that you carried that tradition of your experience with the movie into sharing that with your kids yeah. building the blanket for it. and i think that's something a lot of people do with this movie they they pass it down to generations and i think that's so beautiful well and that's well that's the thing too is like we did we did that once but then it's like since it's like we all you always have access to it, like yeah. we just never really thought to watch it again. So like we watched it that, that one time and that was it. Yeah, that's kind of like a, a downside maybe of of having access to everything all the time like yeah. we do now with with streaming services and DVDs, and I, which I love as a film buff. I I love having access to that stuff. I'm a pop culture junkie, but you don't have that event-oriented television as a result where you're going to watch The Wizard of Oz at one time with everybody. Yeah. They still probably do it, but people go, oh, I'll just TiVo it or yeah. I'll just rent it someday. So I don't have a... to watch the commercials. Right, yeah. You know, that's maybe a downside of that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm the same way as Adam. Is that I watched it the one time. It would, was it... They play it around Christmas or Easter. I, I think like, both. I, I think it's switched. They, they, yeah. I think they switched. were they were like playing it around Christmas and they changed it so they were playing it around Easter. Yeah, Easter yeah. or the, the spring break time. And I mean, I would watch it the same way where it felt like a big thing. Like the Wizard of Oz was on it was like the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean it wasn't like that, but it was it was treated with a lot of reverence. You know. Not like Schindler's List, like we will play this without commercials, but it was like, you know. <laughs> I always nice remember there, there was a commercial break whenever the. the when, when the lion jumps so, Yeah, exactly. I always remember that. No, I, was, I was like watching it like, this weekend. I'm like, oh, this was the commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> this was this. Like, when yeah. the lion jumps through the window. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I always remember that. That's weird, the stuff you pick up on, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I had the same experience. My mom loved this movie in particular. Like, I remember she just kind of snuck it on like the we're gonna watch the wizard of Oz tonight she didn't make a big announcement over it she just kind of segued into it i have very vivid memories because i was probably it was like the probably the early 80s when i watched just like 81 82 probably in that area and i always have vivid memories of like late 70s early 80s television watching because that's your most that's when i grew up and i was coming of age as a kid and all that stuff and this was one of those events i really remember it has to be one of the first movies i remember watching mm-hmm. like i'm sure i watched other films but this really stuck out as something like me yeah. you know i had no idea that this was an older film that had been like probably it was 40 years old at that point or 50 wow. years old at that point i just watched it as a film and i was 
captivated completely by it like everyone else is like wow what this is amazing you know you're just blown away by it because you go from black and white to color like that was a big deal for some reason watching them go from black and white to color Mm -hmm. and then watching magical it was it was was. and then i remember being horrified of certain things i was actually scared of the cowardly lion when he jumps out at the people (laughs) because i was really frightened easily as a kid you know (laughs) you'd appreciate that he would he would and i was the cowardly lion actually but uh uh, and Wicked Witch obviously scared me when she turned into the witch. Like when you see mm-hmm. the bike yes. segue into that, in that, yeah. that terrified me. And that know? music. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I was always terrified as a kid of people turning into monsters. That always scared the crap out of me as a kid. You know, it's or, scary. It is. You know, well, that was a big thing. Like Michael Jackson in the Thriller video. Oh. <laughs> that movie, me. that movie, that video scared the hell that out of me. That scared the shit out of me. At the end when he turns yeah. around and laughs. Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Te- not so much. <laughs> not as much. Didn't have as much of an impact. That was a big deal. Yeah, you're right. The, the, in the 80s, there was a lot of that. Like monster like, movies. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah. The Monster Squad. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah, but uh, that had to, that was a huge impact. And like you said, it was always tradition to watch this movie on television. That's you know, the, and I agree with you on the on the having it be an event and a tradition on TV because I definitely have experienced that in my life with this movie but the funny thing for me is it was sort of the opposite experience when I first started watching it it was a very solitary thing my sisters don't really like old movies or musicals like I do and I remember watching this movie like by myself as a kid which sounds kind of sad and lonely but I really think that that's what drew me even more to it you know because it was something that was mine mm-hmm. you know like The Wizard of Oz is Tony's movie you know when you're the youngest of three yeah. it's hard to ever have anything that you feel like is yours but, but I do remember watching it you know, years after that on TV, but I think the memories I really cherish about it when I was young is mm-hmm. when when my sisters would go to school and I wasn't old enough yet, I would stay home and I would put The Wizard of Oz on. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing for me too is like, not only was it like, do I think of it like this TV event movie? Yeah. But for me, this was like, this was an internet movie because it was kind of weird because I like, you know, because I, I was like in college and stuff when the internet kind of came out and uh, this was like one of the first like, Things that got like the like the kind of like the BuzzFeed treatment. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, I remember like one of like the first like viral memes or memes or whatever uh, was like you know we used to pass them around email back then because we're mm-hmm. back in the olden days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like like one of the first things was like the uh, oh the, the whole if you you can match up the Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Oh movie, yeah. Sort of Have you ever yeah. done that? Yeah, done and it. I did it. I remember one like one summer in college. Yeah. I, got, I got this like an email and like it was like instruction on how to do it and like all the things that matched up and it's, like my dad had the had the album so like we we went and rented it and wow. tried it and it was like not impressive. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, brain like, damage doesn't yeah. sink in with you know the cowardly line. Yeah, and then, you like, know. I, also, I also remember like yeah like one of the first like things on the internet I remember seeing too was like that um, uh, the the thing that was passed around it was about. You know, supposedly in the the one scene where they're in the forest, you can see one of the munchkins like, you know, supposedly yeah. hung himself, and you see yeah. him swinging in the background. It's a bird. It's a bird. <laughs> yeah. But but I remember that. I remember seeing that on the internet and like being able to like watch the clip, and I was like one of the first like movies where like that was like done, and like you know now it's like every movie it's like what's, broken down like that. What's funny about that is because most people saw it on the TV. You know, we so it's yeah. harder to see it. But when we watched it a few weeks ago on in the big screen, and you can clearly see it's a bird, yeah, and not like a swaying back and forth. Because I, I was like, because Tony pointed out, like this is a scene where you know that yeah. Munchkin supposedly committed suicide, but you can see the bird flap its wings. Yeah, and, well, that's what I was thinking too. Is like when I was watching this, I'm like, this is the biggest screen I've ever watched this on. <laughs> like, like, I was like, Did I you go to Kappa? 
No, I didn't. I, I was just watching it at home. Oh, yeah. Because I think before, yeah. like, like yeah. I, I was watching, like, a 13-inch like, TV or whatever. What I love about these rivers, too, about, like, like the Munchkin dying, too, it just shows what a cynical attitude we have about Hollywood, that they, they're they so coked out and drugged up that they'll just allow corpses in the back without yeah, noticing them. They're not professional at all up there, you know, in Hollywood. I don't, I don't know. When you, when you read about the stuff that did happen on the set. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it kind of gets worse. You're absolutely right. This, this movie yeah. had a lot of problems. Well, there's, well, the Munchkins just had a full-out rave. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... They did. Full on, this is the greatest event. Well, there was also, like, problems with the cast, too. In the scene where the the actress Margaret Hamilton, who plays the Wicked Witch of the West, when we first see her, when she comes into Munchkinland via the fire, you know? Mm -hmm. In the very beginning, her makeup, the green makeup, was made out of some kind of powder. It was copper. Some kind of, yeah, copper. And she almost caught fire. Like, her face. She did, she, she, did, she did catch fire. She had like she had like burns all in her arm, and then they had to like wash the. They had to use like industrial solvent to get the, the makeup off, which I guess was like excruciating. Oh my god! Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. She was like in, she was like in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and then, um, like yeah, when she came back, she refused to do anything with fire. So like the scene where like the surrender Dorothy scene, mm-hmm. they had to have her stunt double, uh, as a stand-in with like the smoking broom, yeah. and apparently she got. <laughs> That, that malfunction in the stunt double, like, the yeah. costume caught fire and she, she ended up, oh, like, in the hospital. Oh, my God. I know Toto got hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, he he yeah, one, yeah, one of the guards stepped on Toto Aww. and broke his foot. And also the... the um, and he was also making wow. more money than most of the people. Yeah. There was an actor... handler for Toto. Uh, uh, Buddy Epson was actually supposed to play the Tin Man, and his makeup was made out of a paste. It was, like, aluminum paste or something, or powder or something. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was aluminum, silver powder. That's what it was, yeah. And they changed it. And he had extremely awful reactions to it and breathed it in and almost, like, was breathing in the powder and almost died. So he ended up, of course, quitting from the film. And then they got Jack Haley in, who we know this character, or the Tin Man to be. And they quietly changed the makeup from powder yeah. to paste, and everything worked out okay. But oh my goodness! Yeah, can you it's, imagine? It's actually Buddy. It's actually Buddy Epson's vocals in all the uh, the group songs. Oh, is it? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, because wow. they, they, they uh, back then MGM would they would record all the songs uh, beforehand, and then okay. they would have them lip sync on on set. So Buddy Epson had already recorded all the songs. Wow! And so they just had the uh, the new so, the new Newton Man just redid the um, the solo. If I only had a heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know, and it's it's. Uh, yeah. it, whenever I think of Buddy Epson, of course, I think the immediately of the Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, that's he got that. I, I think guess it's complicated. I'm sure that's because right. He yeah. Plays so Buddy Epson, great actor. <laughs> <laughs> we did not just come back. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buddy Epson, great actor, wonderful uh, guy. Yeah, you know. Good stuff. Played Daco lightly in the 1961 smash hit Breakfast at Tiffany's. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out. <laughs> it uh, just contains the best cast ever. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I always love facts like that where you find out somebody relatively well-known for a specific role or something else was actually cast as something else. I always love tidbits of trivia like that. But you know what's that. funny? I can't imagine Buddy Epson being the Tin Man. Yeah, well, he actually, actually he was originally supposed to be the Scarecrow, but... The guy that ended up playing the Scarecrow was like his dream part and like convinced Buddy Epson to switch roles with him. (laughs) How was that his his dream part? Because I couldn't imagine. Well, what it was is Ray Bolger was a dancer and he knew that that movie would make him famous, being able to be flexible like a Scarecrow. Oh, okay. Because he read the script. Well, he he apparently idolized the guy that that played the Scarecrow in the stage version. He'd seen him. So this was based on the stage version that 
people would... Well, they had made a stage version. Oh, okay. And then, like, they, they took some elements from the stage version, but it was completely but different. But they knew that there would be dancing and things that would be yeah. to his strengths. So it wasn't like he read the book and like, that's my dream job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think um, this was not even the first filmed version of Oz. Like, there was actually some silent films. from like yeah. One was from 1925 mm-hmm. that came out that depicted it. I haven't seen them yet. I always wanted it's to check scary. them out. It's creepy looking. Is oh. It? The characters look really different. I yeah. guess this is the only one that's not creepy. Well, it's yeah. still creepy. Not like these other ones are, in my opinion. Oh. Uh, the, the, the black and white one from the 20s, it's, it's very just eerie because it's no sound and it's old film, so everybody's moving to what seems like is very slow, you know? And it just, I don't know, it just seems so eerie to me. Sounds like Nosferatu. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, it has that quality about it. That's great. You know, actually, I like silent films from, like, of that era, you yeah. know, the fantasy. Like, they did a great job, actually, of making you... Almost surrealistic quality to a lot of those films from the twenties, you know, the silence like that. Mm-hmm. This one was particularly creepy, though, right? Yeah, I, I, and you also have to remember. I could be being a little bit biased. I was raised on this film, mm-hmm. so this is the version and characters that <laughs> are kind of encrusted in my mind. So to see anything irregular is a little eerie. Like even with Return to Oz, which if you guys haven't checked out, we did a podcast on Return to yeah. Oz a, yeah. while, a while ago now with Sarah Booker, but. We talked about that, and you know, just the the way the aesthetic is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, and actually, Return to Oz clearly, <laughs> clearly, deliberately went for a creepy aesthetic that was kind of destroying your childhood yes. type of of thing. It just didn't seem to fit. No, um, but I, I think this movie. You know, I, and I think it does well. It, obviously, it takes vaudevillian elements. All of these guys had a background in vaudeville. That's what they were, vaudevillian performers. And MGM specialized in musicals. So the way that they would interpret the story is to turn it into a vaudevillian musical, you know, almost like a musical comedy. You know, even though it's still technically a fantasy film, uh, so many of the performers here have their song and dance routines, like, you know, Ray Bulger and uh, just about, you know, every performer here has, like, a vaudevillian background and... That's their style of comedy, which I wonder how that holds up for people watching it from younger generations. Like, to me, I didn't notice it when I was a kid watching it, but I'm wondering if other generations might think the the comedy is kind of dated, you know, for their I taste. So. I so. I'm sure if they watch it now, they'll think it's dated. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's, but we didn't well, when we were it's, kids, it's you know. Just, I, I guess it's it's like clean comedy, you know. Yeah. It's just it's that, that, that slapstick kind of very physical... I didn't know a time when it didn't exist, so it's just kind of like, I don't know if I ever laughed out loud at yeah. Wizard of Oz, but it's just like, I think it's just enjoyable, the way, the tone of it. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever thought of it as, a, as funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, there are some parts, like, I, I like the part when the three of them um, were trying to escape, or excuse me, were trying to break into the castle, and they're climbing over the mountain, and the mm-hmm. lion was holding them, and then he says something like, um... Oh, I don't remember the line that the lion says, but then I remember the team and goes, I hope your tail holds out. Yeah. And, you know, because yeah. they're hanging on his tail. Just silly stuff, yeah. which I yeah. feel like would be funny at any day and age. And, and, th- and then, of course, when they fight the guards and they become the guards, and yeah. there was any giggle when the lion was at the end and his tail keeps kind of hanging out and he's trying to tuck it in. And Yeah. That I mean, is, I think that yeah. kind of stuff is funny today. 
Yeah, I mean, they still do that trope today. The dressing, you know, yeah. beat up a guy. Yeah. Indiana Raiders of the Lost Ark, they yes. have it in that. Lost in Powers. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah Star yeah. Wars is a direct, yeah. Like, direct yeah. reference. Like, yeah, how, how horrible is the military <laughs> in, the, in the Wizard of Oz and, like, all the lands? Because, like, yeah. I mean, those three guys, I mean, they had the jump on them. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> they had the high ground, which, as we learned in the Star Wars pretty cool, means you automatically win. Yes, exactly. They had the element of surprise. And yet, somehow, they still get beat up by a scarecrow. Yeah. A lion who doesn't want to fight. <laughs> you could have the most organized army in the world. You're still vulnerable to a bunch of quirky characters. That I they could see a Tin Man. Tin Man, I yeah, imagine yeah, Tin Man. Tin Man probably took them all out. Yeah, Tin Man's carrying that. Their, yeah. their squad. Yeah. Well, he yeah. has an axe, and he has kind of a dangerous hat on. Yeah. That and pipe hat. <laughs> pretty much indestructible outside of rust. And, and emotion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Empathy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think the makeup job on all the characters is superb, mm-hmm. though. I mean, I think oh, it's yeah. magnificent. Like, the Scarecrow, I mean, he's so expressive, you know, but without overwhelming. Like, he is heightened. Mm-hmm. The, the acting is heightened, but it's still believable mm-hmm. as that character. Because it's, I don't know, he just plays it a certain way. I mean, Bolger reminds me of Martin Short for some reason. I don't yeah, know why, I but the, the, I just make this weird comparison with them. Yeah. You know, because I guess Martin Short's kind of animated in the same and way. And he's a little fidgety. Like, this character yeah. is very fidgety. Yeah. Very loose limb. Yeah. He's kind of... Yeah, he's very loose limb. Yeah. Although, when he's... When he hits his thumb on the hammer at the beginning and he flips around, no guy would do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's as far... That's the biggest stretch of reality this movie makes is the way... He does a vaudevillian well, twirl. A he's a he's a he's a stuffed with straw. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a scarecrow. His <laughs> oh. analog in the real oh. world. He hits his hammer when the, in, during the. Uh... You're talking about hunk. Yes. Yeah. Hunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to clarify. I'm talking about hunk here. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason he did that, the reason different. that they did that was to show the audience the correlation. Because yeah. then, then, then remember when Dorothy falls into the hog pit. The yeah. gentleman who plays the cowardly lion goes in and saves her and shows that he's scared. And yeah. then the Tim man gets to talking to Aunt Em. He's like, one day they're going to erect a statue after me. And yeah. it, it alludes to the fact that these three are going to be... It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was very subtle foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, very, exactly. Yeah. What was that? The yeah, scarecrow exactly. had something about brain, right? Yes. Uh, and he did that little dance flippy, you know, the yeah. flip thing. After his, his, his I was, yeah, because I, I, I think Aunt Emma even says something like, your, your head's is full of straw or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And then they did that, well, yeah, the Tin Man thing. I was trying to think that they would say something about his heart. Like, have a heart, you know. They may have, but I, I remember him saying about the statue. One yeah. day they're going to... And he does the pose that he's in when they find oh, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then even uh, Professor Marvel, you get the sense that he might be the wizard because I think he makes a reference about mm-hmm. something magical or something to that effect, so... Is he the same he's, guy? Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. same actor. Well, I know he's the same actor, but... He was wondering if he's supposed to be the wizard, the actual wizard. Oh, I see. As Professor yeah. Marvel is the wizard itself? I don't think so. I don't think creepy when that's, that's, that's where the whole dream thing yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah exactly. It, it, because I know in he's the from pre- Kansas. And, yeah. Well, they hint at the, the movie with, with uh, uh, James Franco as the Great and yeah. Powerful. It's a Sam Raimi film yeah. that the wizard had a similar occupation. He was like a. Like a Psychic, it does, you know. it, it, and it does say like on his uh, his wagon or whatever that like balloonist or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, and, and he gets caught in that balloon and he goes to Oz. But then he comes back in the dream, back to Oz. 
but they never really specify whether mm. Professor Marvel is the Wizard of Oz. They never really make that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's obviously direct the actor, correlation. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think maybe it's more of a psychological thing. Like all these people she's met in yes. her real life have analogs and Oz that are yeah. heightened. You know, a little more yeah. exaggerated versions. What about Aunt Em and the Uncle? They don't. They don't. Uh, <laughs> are they monkeys? Mrs. Colts is obviously the Wicked Witch. Yeah, that's the only analog. Is the only the caretakers for her? She well, well maybe Aunt Em is Glinda. We don't know. <laughs> That's a younger version of Am. That's about the only correlation I can make. Yeah. Do you know the uh, cool thing about Billy Berkeley, the actor who, or Billy Burke, the actress who played Glinda? When she made this movie in 1939, I feel like she was in her late 40s. No, she was in her she was in her 50s. And look wow. how beautiful she was. Oh yeah, yeah, she looked. She looked so young. Although, although I, I was saying when I was watching this, it was like. If this was cast today, she would not get cast as like the the beautiful. No, <laughs> no, no. But she, she probably she probably would have been uh, Aunt M. Probably, yeah. yeah. But she, oh, I mean, even today when we saw the, we were so fortunate to see this movie at Kappa, um, in, on the big screen in the Ohio Theater, and even then I just thought she is so beautiful, like she's so striking, and her she has that sweet, genteel voice and. Well, good witches are pretty, but right. bad witches are ugly. That means ugly. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. I need to be rid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, and then she's like, I'm not a witch at all. Yeah, well, no. what, what, how, how does Dorsey have to feel when, when she's like, are yeah. you a good witch or a bad witch? By the way, all bad witches are ugly. <laughs> right. so, and yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> I, think, I think we can blame the Wizard of Oz for all of our high school expectations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ugly people. It's like asking if someone's pregnant. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, and then she, remember she asked if Toto was a witch? Is he the witchers? <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Toto was a great dog actor, by the way. I love he Toto. Was, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he's on cue. I don't know if he was abused during the production. I think it was actually a she. Wasn't the yeah. dog a woman? That's right, it was. It was a female dog. Yeah. And yeah. I think her name was Terry. Yeah, and I guess it made more money than most of the actors on the set uh, for the Hamler. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I just see that a couple places, but then, yeah. like, saw some other things that said it wasn't but, true yeah but, but supposedly, yeah, supposedly she made the dog made 125 dollars a week that's what yeah. i read too and, and the munchkins made 50 <laughs> well I that also, makes i can see that i i also read that well, that, based on screen time that judy yeah, yeah. That judy, he's in almost every scene too. you have to pay all the munchkins well if you're paying per week i mean if they're not on screen they're probably well i'd pay the mayor of munchkin land like 200 dollars <laughs> yeah. for that because he actually has you know dialogue <laughs> um, I read that uh, somewhere that Judy Garland took a special liking to Toto. Yeah. And she, for a couple weeks while they were filming, I think it was Dora, when Toto yeah, yeah, was recovering yeah. with her foot injury, she stayed with Judy Garland, and Judy Garland wanted to adopt her. And of course, the owner said, <laughs> yeah, No, this is my they're making maker. money off of the no, job. <laughs> Toto did a bunch of other movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like. What's this? Toto's real Toto, name I think, is a West Highland like, Terrier. Like terri- is it? Yeah, Terry or something. Yeah. It's a. I think the breed is a West Highland Terrier. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But you can't help but watch Toto in this movie. Like, oh, he's like, so like this. This watch what he's doing, where he's looking. I mean, you can mm-hmm. only see where you know the handler because he's always looking up, and you know, especially in the Kansas scenes. Mm-hmm. But I always like to watch when he's walking because he kind of he gets yeah. out in front. <laughs> He's so cute. Yeah. I love it when she's singing Summer of Rainbow and he sits up on that little tractor seat. Yeah. It's just so adorable. And then yeah. she's holding his little hand, his little yeah. paw, member he sticks it out and she's like hugging. Yeah. It's just adorable. I love yeah. it. I, I, we were talking about the munchkins as well. It, it's interesting when you talk about how they were built at the end of this movie in the credits. Mm-hmm. You should really look at the, the ending credits. This is the first time I really paid attention to them. Toto was billed as Toto. Even though his name yes, is Terry. Yeah. And the, yes. It was named, and the munchkins, the actors who play the munchkins are built, it's some sort of flamboyant, like the merry midgets or something like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's as politically yeah. incorrect as you could get they as were, a collective. Well, yeah, cause, because uh, a bunch of them were actually like a touring group in Europe. 
They were, oh. they were like toured with some guy, oh. and so they they were actually it was actually like they were actually like a group, and it was like yeah somebody's midgets or whatever that they yeah. that they toured around, and, it, and supposedly I don't know how true this is, but yeah supposedly a lot of them used this as a chance to get out of Germany, like oh. as like oh. uh, were they uh, as dubbed Nazis. over? They, yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, almost none of them spoke English, so they were. Yeah. I think like all but two of them were dubbed over because it did sound like so, someone of normal height, deeper voice was speaking, but they sped it up. Yeah. Or they, 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 cause it sound, it didn't sound like a real, the guy yeah. who played, um, uh, the mayor was, that was actually him speaking. Cause he could oh, speak. Okay. And, uh, they also, the guy who was, I think the coroner, I think that was actually, there are two of them, like you were saying that did actually speak. And then the rest of them were just, yeah, I actually have the autograph. I have a Munchkin autograph from the last living Munchkin. I can't remember what his name was, but, um, I have the photo and I have this autograph. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Oh, it is. That's, uh, I think the, it is the most celebratory funeral I've ever seen where the death certificate came yeah. out. Know, yeah. I thought that was really I That's the quickest death certificate. I wish our corners like something. <laughs> I know. That would, that would be perfect, you know. <laughs> the witch is dead. <laughs> well, no, he's, he sings that little song and then he's like, I thoroughly examined her and she's not mere. Dead. She's very most sensitively dead. <laughs> that was a quick examination. Let the joyous news spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. The cops come to your door and the court comes out and starts singing to you. Yeah. Your husband is very dead. Uh, very sincerely dead. Well, this is fascinating. It says uh, that Leo Singer, who was, who, was, who was the one who helped acquire for MGM 124 of the actors who played the, the Munchkins... They called him the proprietor of Singer's Midgets. <laughs> that was his title on the film. <laughs> it was a politically correct time. Yeah, they really, yeah. they really yeah. took... Uh, I mean, not only is it a politically incorrect term, but they're implying that these people belong to him. <laughs> He's yeah. their owner. I mean, that's, that tells you everything you need to know that's about the, the times. Part, yeah, Because they actually generally are midgets. I mean, that is a technical term. But, yeah, the We've fact come that, a long way where... Uh, yeah. um, Game of Thrones lead actor is a <laughs> small person. Small person, yeah. but you know he's probably the highest paid by his acting skill. I will say that some of the acting on the the Munchkins is, is, leaves a lot to be desired. Some it does. Most of like the straight acting in this is not <laughs> is not the best. No, I like no. to see more more emoting. Yeah. From, from <laughs> the, I, I, I still love the Guild guys. Oh, oh yeah, those are my favorites. I yeah. like the Lullaby. <laughs> The yeah. Lullaby League. The yeah. yeah. They look so cute in their little point shoes. <laughs> but I can always always understand the, the Lollipop Guild better than the... Uh... Lullaby League? <laughs> yeah, I never knew what they were saying, but you can always you can clearly understand. <laughs> the Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Guild. I don't know. There's something really hypnotic about watching those two. two <laughs> yeah. Nothing like a kid's union. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the movement. Like they're doing those very rigid movements. You know, yeah. With the hands and everything. And they have their hands in their pockets. Yeah. And, you know what? It looks like they looks like they don't want to be there at all. Like yeah. they're really reluctant to even be part of this whole yeah, celebration. It does. Yeah. Place. Yes. He almost like constipated. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Oscar the Grouch in the middle of this. this Are they like concrete. lollipop factory workers or like, like they're the uh, lollipop guild? Well, the guild. Yeah, but the guild. That's what yeah. they like said. A, like they a, said they represented yeah. the lollipop union. They have health care. That's what they <laughs> make lollipops. <laughs> and the little and the ballerinas sang lullabies. That's yeah. what they were. The lullaby league. Well, why can't I have jobs like this in real life? <laughs> Instead of pushing paper, I could be selling lollipops or something, you know. 
I guess or if you worked in the candy be store. The mayor of Munchkinland. Yeah. You know, uh, the entrance in this scene with the witch is brilliant, too. Yeah. Like, it, it's vibrant with those red, that red steam coming out. That's a perfect uh, uh, fantasy does sequence. That tackle. <laughs> yeah. Margaret Hamilton's absolutely brilliant in oh, this movie, by so the way. Good. I mean, she's probably terrified legions and generations of people. There's a, um, so a couple years ago, actually, it was probably a almost 15 years ago, my dad, they put, like, this is back before DVDs were really prominent, it's a VHS, but they released this, like, whatever edition um, of The Wizard of Oz, it was a VHS, and so my dad got it for me, and afterwards, there's about an hour of commentary that was, it's like a documentary that was hosted by Angela Lansbury, but it goes into detail about all the trivias and the interesting things, and it also has some cast interviews, and one of them's at Marker Hamilton, and I found it especially fun because she had a great sense of humor and she said that her agent called her up and said hey they're doing a movie version of the wizard of oz and margaret had said that she was familiar with the book she read them as a kid and was mm-hmm. excited and, and and said oh well well do they want me to play you know oh they must want me to play glinda she was like all excited and and then he uh he goes well no they have another part in mind for you she says oh oh well who and he goes the wicked witch and she goes Oh, there's just a look on her face, which is yeah. so funny. She's just I'm like, oh, she, the, the agent goes, well, the Wicked Witch of the West, of course. And she goes, oh, of course. <laughs> and it was just fun to see her reaction because she had a great sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was nice to see her in a different light, you know? Must, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. I've seen interviews with her talking about it, and everybody seemed to love her, too. In oh, those yeah. interviews were, like, captivating. Uh, the music cue helps a lot too. It's one of the most recognizable mm-hmm. music cues or scores ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't know that cue yeah. by heart and what it represents? Yeah. Or yeah. power doesn't work in Munchkinland except for teleportation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never understood that. Like, <laughs> you're saying... like what? And also, again, the, the the faulty military here. They, they were yeah. they had their the military was there at the whole parade. Yeah, and they hid. The witch shows up. She has no power there. Take a shot. Yeah, <laughs> you got your shot. You got a shot. We know we know they can be killed. They just dropped the house on one. They yeah. killed it. I'm blown away by the lapses of logic, like you guys are pointing out with this, because like you said, she lands there. <laughs> she says that she has no power, and the whole all the problems lie on the fact that the witch, wicked witch of the west is temp tormenting Dorothy, and Glinda knows the witch. Mm-hmm. But Glenda's like passive, like, oh, it's the witch. Like, can't you yeah. do something? You're also yeah. a witch to help Dorothy well, out. Well, I think Glinda's horrible. She, 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 yeah, she is. She's, 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 no, she, is. she just was not intimidated by the witch because she knew she didn't have power. Like, that was her territory. That's because she's she also a witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, two witches going yeah. back. She's witch course. intelligent, but everything yeah. outside of witchdom, she doesn't really have a good yeah. grasp on. I mean, she's she, she starts well, she with the witch. She starts with the witch. Yeah. Listen, I defend Glinda. How dare you? I mean, well, I mean, she, she starts the whole conflict by stealing the shoes. Right. <laughs> like, she didn't steal the she, shoes. Yeah, she, no, she took them off the witch and brought them onto Dorothy's yeah. feet. Yeah. She, just no, put, no she gave them a new home. <laughs> yeah. That's not, exactly what I use in court all the time. Did, did not ask Dorothy's feelings about that. <laughs> like, hey, here, I'm just going to make you the number one enemy of this wicked witch. Yeah. And yeah, then, she's a passive-aggressive yeah. bitch, really, when you think about it. Because, like you said, she starts this conflict. Dorothy has nothing to do with the witch. Like, she completely innocently killed this witch. And Glenda's like, oh, yeah, that's the Wicked Witch of the West. But I'm not going to do anything, even though I'm a witch and I have superpowers to protect you from the Wicked Witch. And she can tell them to... That, she saved them you know. from the... When the witch put the sleeping spell on them, who was there in the sky to make it snow? Glinda. Who helped in other ways? Probably Glinda. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Why she, did Glinda help just follow her to Oz? Why did she have to make her go on her own to do Dorothy it? Dorothy the ruby red slippers 
because if the witch, Wicked Witch of the West had him, she'd be way too powerful. So she kind of did the world a favor and well, know, that's, gave that's good. Why don't you put him on herself? I don't know. Maybe she's <laughs> not. And ride the bubble yeah. all the way to Emerald City, and then Dorothy can reach well, it. Let's, she let's, may not have feet, and then we wouldn't have a movie. Okay. <laughs> and then, then, then also let's let's look at the let's look at the direction she got. Okay, you got to go to the Emerald City. How do I get there? Just take the yellow brick road. <laughs> as soon as Dorothy gets out of town, she comes to a four-way stop. With no, no Staff in the scarecrow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of faults in this plan. You but know. you also have to remember number two, this is a dream. This is oh, Dorothy's yeah. dream. Right. And on number three, don't forget about the whole entire lesson of the movie. You know, at the very end when Dorothy says, you know, and she says, you know, you've always had the power, dear, you just had to figure it out for yourself. AKA I'm and- a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in welfare cases, Dorothy. You gotta do this on your own. That, don't even bring politics into this. It has nothing to do with politics. That's what Braun that was Braun's message, I think, the political message. I think I'm I found just it. Saying, no, it was female but, empowerment, just saying you always I'm have saying, the power in you. You just have to go through a journey to learn that. Yeah. I'm just saying and she could also learn that if, if you want anything that's outside of your immediate home, right. just forget about it. That's yeah, exactly. Not, don't no, don't follow. Just put your head down, marry the she could, have, she could have shared a bubble. That's all I'm saying. Huh? She, she could have, have shared, shared a bubble. bubble that she traveled in. Yeah. She that was her bubble. <laughs> hey. Oh, she it oh it's her shared. bubble. Why did it have to be shared? Why? She could have started an Oz Uber. <laughs> right. <laughs> of bubbles. Oz is poorly governed. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. It's poorly governed. You know, the wizard does a terrible job governing Actually, this place. Actually, the, the, the Yellow Book Road may not be Oz. Because uh, aren't they going to Oz? Isn't Oz the city? The Emerald no, City? The, the, the land of the, Oz. The, the, whole, the, whole, the whole land is Oz. Yeah. The Emerald City is in Oz. It's the capital, the capital of Oz, essentially. Okay. But uh, there's so many different lands in Oz. No, now, I'm, not even sure if, I'm not even sure if the Emerald City is the capital of Oz. I think it's like the capital of that county. Oh, I thought it was... I, think, a, I don't know. Then why does he build himself as Wizard of Oz? Maybe, he, all right, maybe, you're, maybe he's maybe the only is. wizard. It probably, it probably is. Probably. Unless Gandalf's walking around there. <laughs> Merlin... <laughs> I like this wizard better than those wizards for some reason. You know, you like the shystery. <laughs> I, I like the fake wizards better than the real wizards. He was a fake wizard. Yeah, he, he was. was. That's what we were saying. Yeah, like he's. But he just happened to have the right objects to give to these people to you know soothe their well, issues. You, you don't know what else he had. He probably had all sorts of. Oh, here's a clock heart. <laughs> I'm gonna give this to you, and I can make some bullshit around it. Getting back to like. If I were the witch, I'd be pissed if my sister was killed by a house, too. If that's going to be the motivator for getting turning on all these people, that's that's a good motivator, killing a family member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was technically nobody's fault. I mean, she was just literally in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. What was she doing the Munchkin the land? Was she, just terrorizing? she was probably terrorizing the Munchkins. What else? <laughs> I agree. It was manslaughter. It wasn't intentional. There was no intent behind it, but it happened. I know. mean, had they not pointed it out, nobody would ever knew she was even dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm very pro-Dorothy in this whole scenario. I thought Dorothy was pulled into some weird conflict between Glinda and the witch here. She was. Yeah. It was a dream. She, well, she was driving the house with a concussion. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was... <laughs> That's probably not. Any way to drive the house? Do you have something to drink? That's why the NFL has so many problems right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> That's why Bill Smith should have been here for this movie. Tell the truth, Linda. Tell the truth. 
you know. You guys are just being misogynistic. Man, I know. Oh, no, no, I love all the... You like the wizard, who is a flat-out fraud, but yeah. you don't like Vincent, <laughs> who actually helps Dorothy. I, I've always been a sucker for shysters, I admit that. I love shystery characters. I smell misogyny in the yeah. room. I think it's because the wizard gets exposed, and he gets his grumpins. We're just saying a Gilda. And excuse me, who helps Dorothy get home at the end? Who waves their magic wand behind her head and she says three times there's no place like home? Glenda could have done that the whole time. (laughs) But she had to learn her lesson. See, that's the problem. That's, yeah. Learning, that's manipulation It's right not a there. problem, it's a point. Well, Child. Wizard did that too. It was Child, yeah. Child, yeah. The lesson is child endangerment is okay. As long as they learn a lesson afterwards. <laughs> exactly. That's the most important thing. <laughs> That's the wizard. He says, like, I'll help you if you can do this impossible task, yeah. which they did. <laughs> but well, you guys like him. Because he's a penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm just saying, okay, so he did kind of abandon her, too. He, okay. Right? Who no, put, not intentionally, actually, though. who put Dorothy in more danger? The wizard by making her go to the Wicked Witch of the West? The killer or Glenda? Oh, oh that, that, that's a very good point. You know, he is the biggest exactly. manipulator. He's yelling at them, insulting Thank them, you. and asking Thank them to, to come up with a broom. And in the end, who helps him get home? But Not the wizard. He flies away and says, sorry, I can't turn this fl- this basket around. <laughs> oh, I guess I was told when he said you're a very bad man. He goes, no, no, I'm a very good man. He said he's a very good man. So every, man <laughs> every man says they're a very good man. Ladies, it was very consistent. <laughs> ladies, am I wrong? Every man says they're a very good man. It was very convincing. I'm telling you. <laughs> it was. I remember seeing that. I'm like, no, I'm a very good man. It's like, what evidence is there? <laughs> but I have to say. I know. He just come out. Guys, I'm really good. Even though I, I, I trashed you guys, insulted you, intimidated you, tore you, put you in direct danger with a, with a, with a vindictive witch. I essentially made you go to Nazi Germany. To yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you were bothering me. I sent you to the witch hoping you would die. I would, Pretty much. Just so you could stop bugging me. I was just toying with you because I was powerful and said if you'd, you'd buy into it. I'm a bad wizard and I cover it up by trying to show people so that my lie is not found out. You know, there's a lot of legitimate magic, magic, but everybody's scared by the fake wizard. That's the best part of that whole plan. But I love it. I love uh, the fact that he's exposed by Toto. Oh yeah, yeah Toto's, and this dog just like shows reveals it all. You know, it, it does. I think that's brilliant. Toto's the most consistent character in the whole movie. Well, Dor- Dorothy's Dorothy. great character too. I, I actually first of all, Judy Garland is amazing so in this good. movie. I didn't realize when I was starting to watch this. Not only is she a, a fantastic singer, which <laughs> goes without saying, she's a terrific actress. She is. And, and I, you know, you hear all these horror stories about how Garland was treated by MGM and the studio system, and mm-hmm. she's pretty, pretty much a victim. Like, although you yeah. hear about the the drug abuse. And they and, started her on, on those diet pills, which really yeah. yeah. jump-started her addiction to pills. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, the studio pretty much ruined Judy Garland's life, you know, even though they made her a star. They, hey, Louis B. Mayer, he's a great American. <laughs> he is. He's the, um, yeah, he's you the, like him, because he has a penis. <laughs> he's, he, he said he was a very good man, and I bought it. Yeah, he told everybody on this, but I on do, this set. I do think it is remarkable, though, how when you think about it, this 14-year-old girl just yeah. completely carries this picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable. Oh, it, it's yeah. it's great. And it, it, it's believability. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like she is so sincere yeah. and, and so honest in her performance that you buy into this. If, if, if she was more ironic or she mocked it a bit or, or it was a little more hammy, yeah. it wouldn't work. But she's really wide-eyed. Yes. Like, you believe that. She, like, it's hard to play innocent and wide-eyed that believably like mm-hmm. Judy Garland does here. And she's beautiful and she hits all the right uh she hits all the but right she has notes parts where she's funny and you know there's yeah parts yeah. And, and that's what i love about it it just the, even though the movie is heightened 
it doesn't seem over the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has great cadence, too. Like, she has yeah. very... And that's why so many people impersonate her, like Kristen Wiig on I, Saturday Night I love that, too. When she first meets the Scarecrow, and he's kind of like falling around, she goes, well, you're not starting off very well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, cute. You know? Yeah. Like, just a... Well, if you don't have a brain, how can you talk? Well, there are a lot of people who talk who don't have brains. Well, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I guess that, that is true, Sean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> Boom. Karma. That's right, yeah. Biggest assholes in Oz are the apple trees, so. Yes, oh, yeah, they are. undoubtedly. But they're honest assholes. They're not hiding behind a, 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 like a... Hey, you're not talking. I love those guys, actually. I love that effect. Are you <laughs> saying our apples aren't what they are to be? <laughs> yes. You just start throwing them across. Come on, Dorothy. We don't want any of those apples. <laughs> and here's the thing. The Scarecrow makes a really smart ploy there, like just to yes. tease, taunt them into giving them apples. He is the, obviously the one who comes out with all the ideas. Yeah. He's great. Uh, he's loyal to Dorothy. They have a great mm-hmm. friendship. It's fun to watch them Are together. you saying he actually has a brain? He just didn't realize it. Yes, that's that's exactly that's, what we're that's, uh, the, uh, that's the, the the speech the wizard. I love yeah. the wizard speech at the end. Are you by being the way, serious? I'm being serious. Okay. I love the. I do too. It makes me yeah. cry. Yeah, I do. Because um, he does turn out to be a decent man, and I don't know. I, I don't. Know. <laughs> okay. Ladies, that doesn't always happen. This. I don't understand. You just excuse his past. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell was the point of playing this evil wizard? Why couldn't he have just been that guy the whole time and just been nice to everybody? Hey, you gave him a nice clock. It's all forgiven. Well, look past the attempted child murder. He's a great guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was like, look, I'm ruling over wizard witches and munchkins and you know trees that talk. I have to intimidate them somehow, so I might as well be this guy. With this giant green blob of a face. Yeah. Who wants to isolate himself from everybody else in, in the whole the whole land. Probably because he felt like an outsider. I mean, he was. Yeah. One mistake Dorothy didn't do is she should have come in with the witch's army, because they were all, like, worshipping her at the yeah. end there. That would have given her some, you know. Yeah. But... You know. This isn't Game of Thrones. She's not going. To- <laughs> She's not acquiring armies as she goes along. Well, the Oz, the Oz version of the Game of Thrones is returned to Oz. I pretty yes. much that's, that's how that goes. No, um, but I do love that speech. And 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 yeah. even when we saw this in the theater about two weeks ago, I I always get emotional and I cry up at the end when because it's just so believable. And Dorothy saying goodbye to her friends and right, it's just this beautiful moment, you know. And it makes you sad. Yeah. And and I've moved around a lot in my life, and I've said goodbye to a lot of people that I really cared about. And in some cases, it has been the last time I've ever seen them. Right. And I guess I just, that scene really hits home for me, saying goodbye to people who you really care about and knowing that you may never see them again. It's, there's a lot of bittersweet, mm-hmm. you know, emotions in that. Well, she favored the scarecrow because she said, I'll miss you the most. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If I was yeah. a thin man, I'd be like, what the shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm standing right here. Take me back to Kansas, too. I could well, be... everybody has a best friend. <laughs> you know, she yeah, could have... You should not say that in front of your other friends. She could have easily... After he gets deemed the new wizard. Yeah. Which right, I missed yeah. the first time around. He actually... Because the wizard Which says, is why in the... the, the what you call it? Return to Oz. He's the wizard. Yeah. That's right. He's, he's, yeah. he's rolling. Um, he's got a brain for... Five minutes, and he's already taken over. <laughs> what, what I love about the wizard's speech, though, is it's it's a great lesson for any kid. And you don't pick up on it as a kid immediately, yeah. but it's a great lesson for kids. It's about self-acceptance, which is mm-hmm. all these things that you've been looking for mm-hmm. that you thought were missing from you have already been there all along. You just didn't recognize it because you had a different preconception of what that was. Yeah. It does the scarecrow. You've always been smart. Yeah. It just You just don't have... People just told you you weren't, so you believed you, you it. You believed it. So yeah. what you don't have is a diploma, and here it is. It's all practical stuff he yes. gives them. It's not yes. magic or anything. Exactly. It's practical things that mm-hmm. are easily attainable on your own. I um, think. Well, I think the lion, cowardly lion, he 
just didn't understand the definition of courage. No. <laughs> Essentially. That was what the basic yeah. problem is. He didn't have Webster. That's what he says. Like, it was a misappropriation or misunderstanding <laughs> yeah, they, of the term. They, they were dealing with that, uh, was it, the imposter syndrome that everybody, that yeah. they talk about that people have where, like, almost everybody feels like that they, whatever they're doing, like, yeah. even, like, really successful people that are very skilled yes. and stuff, right. like, they always feel like, oh, I'm an imposter. I'm just, like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, just yeah. Making, I'm not like, who you think I am. Yeah, he's kind of, like, he's kind of dealing with that, like... Yeah, exactly. Pop psychology back. In <laughs> well, it's a semantics issue yeah. we're having with you, cowardly lion. You know, you're not a coward. And well, it's not as good a movie if they just handed the, the lion Zoloft <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> Although the wizard, the wizard clearly doesn't like romance at all because when he gets to the Tin Man, you don't need a heart. <laughs> it would get in well, the way. <laughs> well, what he says is hearts won't be practical until they can be unbreakable. Right, and that's very true. And that's why he says he says you want a heart, but you don't know how lucky you are to have one. And how not to have one because, you know, mm-hmm. getting your heart broken is probably one of the worst things he said, All you need is a testimonial. Is that what mm-hmm. he says? Is that to him? No, no it's that's, that's, that's a, a, the, what's his the name? Cowrie line. The Cowrie line, yeah. I or think. No, was it? It was. It was it, the, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, the, the heart was this testimonial. Yeah, you just need a testimonial to your character. So I was going to ask a couple things about this movie because there's so many aspects of it. To but this. my favorite quote, sorry, really quickly, what he mm. says to the Tidman when he says, hearts are not judged by how much you love, but by how much you're loved by others. That is a great quote. That's why I love that whole speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and probably that, one of my favorite and that scenes. Sh- I mean, the, you know, it just says like, you know, he's like, you are loved and you do have a heart. You know, you don't think mm-hmm. you, that you touch people, but you do. Who, uh, a couple things. What is your favorite song from the movie? Or favorite quote, because that's such a big part of our culture, the quotes. Mm-hmm. And, or favorite scene, maybe is the best way to put it. What's your favorite scene in the movie, and what is your favorite character or performance? We'll start with You want to start with me? Yeah. Well, my favorite song, I love Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I just think it's a beautiful song. Um, my favorite character, that's really tough, but I do have a soft spot for the Tid Man. I do really like the Tid Man. Uh, favorite scene, I do love the ending, even though it always makes me sad. Um, just because I think it's such, I just think everything comes together and it's, you know, when you see it a lot as a kid, you don't pick up on some of the things that you do when, when you're an adult and you've had some life experience and it affects you kind of differently. But I do love, um, the scene where of course they first meet the Tin Man and he mm-hmm. sings, if I only had a heart. I don't know. I just love Jack Haley. Mm-hmm. I think he's so cute and mm-hmm. I love how he kind of has like a Boston type accent when he sings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite quote, well, I just said it. Mm-hmm. That is a good quote. The quote from the wizard at the end. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the obvious quote mm-hmm. either. It's a it's a nice sturdy quote there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess my favorite song. I guess the Ding Dong Witch is Dead. I don't know. I just kind of like that, that yeah. whole mm-hmm. scene because yeah. of the, the color and mm-hmm. I like I love the Munchkins mm-hmm. and that uh, little march. Yeah. And uh, favorite character. I think I got locked in like when I was like eight. Uh, and it has to be Dorothy just because Aww. she was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> she was very attractive at that point. You know, how old was she when she made this movie? She I was, think fourteen. Uh, I think she was. Uh, yeah, she, maybe when like, they started. Yeah, I think it was like sixteen when it came out. Okay. 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 Yeah. Which is still young. Yeah, it's still yeah. young. Yeah. Which apparently too, that that that, that scarecrow thing, uh, where she, you know, I'm gonna miss you most of all. Apparently, there was a deleted scene back in Kansas where mm. with a. Uh, Hunk the scarecrow's double, <laughs> yeah. where he's like going off to agricultural school or something, and there's like some implication that there's like some romance between, ah, no between them, which is like creepy. super creepy because he's like 34 or something. Oh wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Older, yeah. Yeah, that's, 
It's 1930s Kansas. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my favorite song. I, I agree with Adam. I like the melody. It's kind of just like there's like 50 songs in the Munchkin Land. And yeah. They're yeah. pretty good, but. Uh, I like the coroner song. <laughs> I just like informative songs, lions, tigers, and bears. I like to know what's going on through songs. <laughs> just you give like me some part, expository dialogue. You like Dorothy's, you know, it really was no miracle. What yeah. happened just was this. Yeah. The wind began to twist. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly the hinges started to unhitch. Just then, the witch, to satisfy an itch, went flying on a broomstick, thumbing for a hitch. There you go. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all night. That was an excellent torch song. But I I love that. Uh, And I think the one thing about the songs in general, um, they're not very long. I don't think any of them... They're maybe two minutes. Yeah, maybe. The longest is two minutes. But they're all kind of... Which I think makes it... You know, it's more volume Mm -hmm. than... You know, you get a lot of... I think that's why I remember... Because even Somewhere Over the Rainbow, she's, it's not like she said... Because sometimes in musicals, they can sing a song way too long, and you're like, okay, let's get on with the yeah. story. You know, it's a nice song, but... Mm-hmm. They almost wanted to cut that song, too. Because mm-hmm. they felt it slowed the picture down, but yeah. the executives were like, no, this is the song that's going to yeah. be this movie. You need to keep her, this song yeah. in. Well, well they, they did. she does sing it again in the end of the movie, and they did cut that part out. Oh, I didn't know she sang yeah, it again when, when, she, when, she's okay. like, when she was trapped by the, the witch... And she's like, oh. she's, like by, she's like by herself. She like sings okay. it. And mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like a sad, uh, even sadder version. Gotcha. Okay. I can see that. that. She's crying. Yeah, yeah, and that got cut for time. Okay, I can see that one getting cut. This is not a long movie. Good. It's like an hour forty minutes. No, it is. But, but yeah, back then, that was pretty back long. then it was like there was like ninety minutes was like the. Yeah, that was like considered like well. Don't Gone go with the Wind is three hours. And <laughs> I, know. Hour. I was Which about was to like say that's like odd, ironic. Yeah, because because the original cut was like yeah it was a. Apparently the, the original cut was like over two hours long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they screened it and like decided the what stuff they could cut. Is that stuff still to get exists? Closer to ninety. There's probably some footage of, somewhere. I, mean, I think yeah. some of it still exists. There's like a whole like, and like you can tell because like, and like I, I, I yeah. didn't I didn't know that this stuff was cut. And I looked yeah. it up afterwards, but like I actually noticed like some of the cuts in the movie watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's like they mentioned like things that aren't there. Yeah, okay. Because there's like a whole scene where like the witch sends these bugs to attack them. Oh okay. yeah, the and itchy bug. What were the, they called? The jitterbugs. The jitterbugs. That right. was like the dance craze at the time. Yeah. There was a song called the jitterbug, and they cut that one out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they leave the line in where the witch is like when she's talking to the flying monkeys. She's like, you know, go and get them. But I, I sent a, I sent a little insect or whatever to take the fight out of them oh, beforehand. Okay. There too. She was talking about that, but they cut that part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah also, most of the songs were a little bit longer too. Like there was an extended version of the scarecrow song yeah. and. I think the Tin Man song may have been a little bit longer, but they trimmed him down to keep him short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my favorite character would be probably I like the I like I like the uh, what is it, Captain Marvel? No, not Professor Captain. Marvel. <laughs> Professor Marvel. <laughs> um, and the Wizard. I, I just like that kind of uh, um, that kind of like chicanery. And that old school like snake oil salesman, and that was definitely towards the end of all the, uh, you know, where Houdini and all they exposed mm-hmm. all those, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, talking to the dead and seeing the future and all that stuff. So that's who I like the best. My uh, favorite scene in the movie is probably the one we've discussed with as an adult. Now, my favorite scene is the one with the wizard, the wizard speech that mm-hmm. we went over, which I, I love. Uh, as a kid, I think it was 
the part that scared me the most and I always remembered, so I have a fondness for it, is when the Cowardly Lion makes his first appearance out of the forest where he jumps out. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on. Like, I was scared. Even now, I look at it like, it's just vaudevillian antics. I don't know what yeah. I was scared of. Put him up. Put him up. Yeah. And then, um, um, I think my favorite song to tie into, I like the Cowardly Lion. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite characters in this movie, probably for that reason. He's the one that stood out for me when I was a kid. And when he does, if I was the king of the forest, he has his own solo number. I, I yeah. like that song a lot. Uh, he does a great job. That's a funny number, yes, actually. It it's it's a it's yes. a really entertaining number. Um, my actual favorite character, though, would have to be um, the wizard uh, because I love Frank Morgan's performance. Mm-hmm. I think he's really the funniest and probably the most engaging character for me in the movie. I just love his performance. I think he's really entertaining. Uh, you know, as both Professor Marvel mm-hmm. and the Gatekeeper, he does like yeah. a Peter Sellers Doctor Strange love thing where he's playing multiple characters here. And, of course, the wizard. Yeah. You know, I just like the speech the wizard gives at the end. I like the pragmatism of the wizard mm-hmm. when he re- reveals himself to be a decent man and stuff. So that's that's always had a an impact on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I that, that's the thing that I take now as an adult that I enjoy the most. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys feel that the film holds up as now that you've watched it with adult eyes? Like, how do you, what's your take on it now? Like, we've kind of discussed that in detail, mm-hmm. but... I mean, I just treasure this movie so much. You know, sometimes talking about it, I get kind of a little like emotional because it's such a huge part of my life and my childhood and you know um not to get heavy but I remember when my parents were going through their divorce and things like that I I would spend a lot of time you know like I said alone if my sisters were at school and I would watch this movie and there's just a level of familiarity and comfort and uh I think this movie helped me out a lot as a child in some ways because I kind of have some like I don't know, kind of like a little bit of parallel with Dorothy, you know, kind of that longing for something else, something bigger. You feel like something's beyond your reach, but at the same time, you do get homesick and you love your family and you want that too. Um, So, I mean, I just think this movie is so special and I know that there are so many people out there whose lives it touched. I think it's a timeless classic and, I mean, the story that Adam shared with watching it with his kids, you know, I think that's fantastic and um, I think this is definitely one of those movies that you can continue to do that for generations and generations where people will continue to pass it down. And and having just seen it a few weeks ago on the big screen, I think it certainly holds up. It's a beautiful film. The songs are great. The music's good. Characters are lovable. I mean, it has every element of a classic. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so hard... Cause you can't look at this without like the nostalgia mm-hmm. clouding. Cause like I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much I would like like this if I like saw it like for the very first time like right now. Because um, <coughs> like yeah, it, I mean to me like it, it does seem like it still holds up, but I mean there are, <laughs> you know there there are definitely parts of it. I mean the 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 fact that it starts with like three minutes of credits yeah it just doesn't that doesn't fly nowadays it's no like, no it's like they don't even so show hard. credits in the beginning of the movies now they do them at the end yeah and then they do the main they do the beginning credits at the end do you want to know why that is i think it was the studios they had a requirement where you have to give you had to show a person's name twice mm-hmm well, they still Something have that. Like that. Actually, they still, have, still that. have that. Okay. That's why they show. They have usually at the end of movies. You'll see if they don't. If you don't see credits in the beginning of the movie, what they'll do is they'll they'll have like a little animated thing at the end, 
and then you get the scrolling. You'll see it. No, it's. But I think because was like. I think it was a director's guild thing because I know I remember yeah. hearing the story about Lucas because mm-hmm. uh, he didn't want to put the credits at the beginning of Star Wars because he wanted to just have the scroll. Yeah, and so they like were gonna find him for that. He was like got in a fight with them mm-hmm. over it, and he ended up leaving the director's guild over over that fight, and that's why um, Steven Spielberg was supposed to re- to um, direct Return of the Jedi, but Lucas had to use a non-guild director. Because he had left the guild. Oh, yeah, so, that's so, true. So Spielberg wasn't allowed to do Return of the Jedi. That's then, true. That'd be so interesting. So I don't know if that. I don't know if like they end up changing the rules after that. Yeah. Or, but yeah, and honestly, it wouldn't be Star Wars without the way that he shoots those opening credits. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of miss having opening credit sequences though, because I always enjoy them. Like even in older films, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just either. not jaded by. Well, I, I, you know. I, 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 if, like like opening credit sequence where there's like things going on while the credits are rolling. I'm like okay with, but like this where it's just like just like the background music, and just like yeah. the, just like the title cards. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's for like fair 50 about. minutes. I was like, this is also <laughs> 1939. Yeah, yeah. I, I, also, I also love the like the uh, uh, what was it at the beginning? They have like a like a disclaimer saying. This is for yes. the young at heart. I love yeah. that. Those who, I thought it was cute. I know. I like it too. I like it too because it's there's a charm mm-hmm. and innocence to the way movies were made back then that they actually had to say this movie is not for jaded assholes. This is for people <laughs> yeah. and they're gonna buy into this. You know. What's funny? I mean, the beginning of the movie I'm not as familiar with because I was watching it and I was like, oh, I I just don't ever remember paying attention to the scene where they're going through each yeah. of the characters and especially the. The analogs, you know, Hunk and Hunk's the only name I because I just I just remember hearing that. And I was yeah. like, that's a strange yeah. name, Hunk. And they're built in the closing credits as they're Hunk. as yeah. Hunk. Yeah, they're not built as a scarecrow or the Tin Man or the Cowboy yeah. Lion. Uh, but I don't know what the does it hold up. Um, this is one of those tentpole movies of all time where it's just you know, I think if you watch it as a kid, it holds up because it just has. You that know. nostalgic yeah. element. Yeah, and, and kids are probably more receptive to, you know, if you get them at a certain age. But if you were an adult and you were to watch this, and you didn't have, um, if you are just an adult and you weren't a huge fan of movies or you didn't like the history of movies, you probably would think this is a little dated, you know, just because. But if, I mean, I watch silent movies now that I didn't watch as a kid, and I have an appreciation for them just because of what they were and you know what they meant and how popular I mean just there's a lot going on I mean everything's going to be dated because it's not now yeah uh, the dialogue's dated I mean a lot of social mores are dated there's a lot of you know but you say it, it's kind of like it's a bad thing I mean you have to remember this is when the movie was made yeah you know I don't I think mean, it's bad no I don't it's think it's dated bad because it should be it is dated yeah, I mean, the movie they, is dated it's, it's you know it can't of course it's not going to be current yeah, yeah but, that, but that's that, that goes to whether it holds up or not. Like in like a mod, looking at it through modern eyes. But I, I like think a, the story that it tells, the lesson, that's timeless. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like uh, this is probably a good segue. But in general, I'm kind of bothered. Like it seems with the more subsequent generations, they don't have an appreciation mm-hmm. for history, and cl- especially with pop culture. It seems like anything that doesn't happen from a specific time point. They don't have an appreciation. Like you, just as an example, you can't put something like Mary Tyler Moore on the air right now in syndication. The kid's not going to relate to that, even though I think it's still a great show. But 
they don't have I don't know how to get somebody that age to appreciate something like that that you know is of a high quality mm-hmm. when you know <laughs> well movies and news, movies are the only thing where people say it doesn't hold up or not you don't look at the constitution that doesn't hold up <laughs> <laughs> you don't look at anything yeah, else right right to, yeah the Gettysburg Address ah uh, it doesn't hold up I right, don't know yeah. why Th- well, things are made in the time they were made and 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 that's what's great about them is that they, yeah. they have that quality to them. I'm never bothered. Like, there's people like, you know, I watch this movie and it just doesn't hold up. It's like... Or people will just say, I don't like watching black and white movies. That's another thing you hear with well, people. Yeah, you yeah. do hear that. I mean, that's that's a preference. I mean, I can... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can actually logically understand that. I don't agree with yeah. it. Right, I mean, right. There are, there are some things, though, like, cause I, like I know, like, because I'm watching, like, now with my kids, like, they're, they're yeah. older now and we're, like, that's so I'm, like, showing them, like, all the movies I love and stuff. Right. And there are, there are some, like, um... There are like th- certain things like I watched the Naked Gun with my kids recently, uh-huh. yeah. and like there's a whole thing at the beginning with like where like Frank Drebin is like infiltrating this meeting of all these world leaders. Yeah. Like, like I said, no idea who any of them are. He's like, you know, yeah, Gorbachev, yeah. there's like these jokes about Gorbachev. Yeah, and, like, and you're like he rubs like the Gorbachev's like spot off his head, and like yeah. that made no sense to them because like yeah. they had no idea who this person was. And it's like yeah. so like you say like that stuff that stuff doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up in that. Right. Yeah. But I guess it could be a teaching tool. Like you might want to. Oh, it is. It, it was. Yeah, right. we kind of, we kind but of the Wizard of Oz isn't like that, though. No, there's no. I mean, there's no political references. There's no aside from the film being made in the 1930s, and some of that vaudeville aspects and things like that. I really can't see how it wouldn't hold up in terms of the story it tells. Mm-hmm. You know, the quality of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the movie's fantastic. The acting and the songs are yeah. phenomenal. I mean. Yeah. But, I'm just bothered now. My opinion, I'm just bothered now that the naked gun is dated. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm more disturbed by that than anything. I, know, like, I think that's a great. Watching movie. Yeah, 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 I can yeah, see yeah. how something like that would be more dated because it's making yeah. references in that time. The Wizard of Oz doesn't do that. Though. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, though. Getting back to that, not to get it on a side tangent, but my, I had a father who would explain the jokes to me. Like if I watched Blazing mm-hmm. Saddles or something, my dad would sit there and explain all the jokes. Well, this is why this was funny. This is who Alex Karras is, yeah. and why this is funny that he's playing this role. A lot of kids don't have that reference. I think that's the problem. They don't have people yeah. sitting down yeah. and explaining that stuff. Which goes into, do I find it dated? I'm a terrible judge of that. Because I like a lot yeah. of vintage stuff. I have an appreciation for it. I have a love. I think there's a lot of charm to stuff like this. Yeah. So, I don't know if my taste veer into the mainstream with that. I don't know if I'm somebody yeah. that's good at Well, great point. Uh, we saw a silent film a couple years ago. I forget what it was. was the kid. It? Well, we saw the kid. Sean and I saw one the year before. And there was a reference. A guy had a bad shoulder and he goes in he's like what happened to your shoulder he's like I bought a Ford and it's like <laughs> you could tell that was a huge joke yeah there's no reference yeah. to it but it was probably something about cranking it or you know yeah. that's still yeah. funny today well, it's, still, it's still funny yeah. Fords are junk yeah well the, yeah. yeah the the it's yeah. it's funny in a different yeah. way. It's funny because yes. everybody acknowledges that that was a reference to something in that time yeah. period yeah. that we don't well and right. I, I think I think some part like like why it wouldn't hold up for kids is just the way things are filmed now is, is so is yeah. so different. Yeah, and um, you know, like I mean, obviously, special effects are much better. And um, just I don't know. like I think, have you seen the last half of Batman versus Superman? I've not seen that movie, but in general, they're exposed to like a lot, generally a lot better special effects. And I think I think acting is more naturalistic now. Yeah. Um, so I think I think like watching this, it's a little more jarring for them because it's like. Because they can they can see the scenes and like the in the thing and I think it, they can kind of take them out of the moment a little bit more just because they're used to you know actors being less wooden and um, you know having the, the 
special effects being being much better. Whereas like like when we were growing up, it was like this looked like I mean this wasn't as good as quite as good as like the movies we were watching, but it was like still kind of on par with like yeah, yeah. the special effects. And I don't know, I think we were more used to like stage seeing stage plays and stuff. That's what I was gonna say. I so, feel like this is like a, a quintessential so I, musical, like a stage musical. It yeah, feels yeah. like one of the last vaudeville, especially the acting of the the three main yeah. guys, the dancing that they did. Yeah, that kind of comic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Chaplin kind of movement where it's just like you know yeah. you're doing pratfalls and flips and and, and always character like part, dancing. Remember when the Tin Man was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like he was gonna fall down and they were yeah. catching him. You know, I kept watching. That. I was like, doesn't Michael Jackson have a patent on that lean? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, he no patented way. that lean. Yeah, well, no, he yeah. took it from the Tin Man. Yeah, well, no, 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 I'm no, sure he did. He patented shoes. Yeah, uh, have like a, a little hook in them that. You can like lock onto a, a nail on the stage, so you can do that. Which is probably the same thing they did yeah. on that. Probably, but I still <laughs> enjoy it nonetheless. Just yeah. like the wizard pulling us. But I totally yeah. see your point, Adam. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, think it's, I, think I guess it's I'm a theater the... nerd, so yeah, I feel like exactly. I, like, I would like yeah. it. Anyway, I think it could be yeah. harder for them to get immersed in sure. the story because they're just like. Well, but well, I think the like... redeeming qualities is that the music is good, and mm-hmm. people love an adventure story. They love when people go on a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why movies like Princess Bride are so good and Star Wars is because you're on this journey with people and that's there's something compelling about that. No, I have 100% agree with you. I, 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 I think that's the thing about this story. The script is brilliant, by the way. And he nailed it because people, there's a rewatchability to this film, a factor to this movie because it hits on so many points. Like you look forward to seeing her meet the Scarecrow. You look forward to her mm-hmm. meeting... Uh, the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion because there's a rhythm to it as you, as you go on and I'm watching that team come together they yeah. go to the mm-hmm. wizard then they yeah. go fight the witch together They're, it's just a classic yeah. story beat yeah. and you're seeing uh, Dorothy's journey from like the mm-hmm. beginning to the end and how she comes full circle it's like so the Avengers <laughs> it is yeah. and Scarlet Witch is Dorothy I guess you know yeah. that whole scenario uh, yeah. I, always did th- I always found even as a kid the the final confrontation with the witch very anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just throw water on her. Just throw water on her. It's yeah. Like, oh, it just happened to be a bucket of water here. Oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> it's a little bit creepier now than I remember as a kid though when I watched it live. Like, I'm melting. What'd she say to what'd you say about her? Uh, she's like, who would have thought such an innocent little girl could ruin my beautiful wickedness? <laughs> yeah. And she I, says that she's like melting down. <laughs> if I was dying, that's not the, what I would come to my mind. Be like, oh. <laughs> there, are, there are two references with the, the witch's death that always comes to mind too with references. It's first as Judge Doom and Roger Rabbit does it yeah. when he melts. And then the Joker in the Tim Burton Batman film, Jack Nicholson's Joker, does it as a joke when they pour water on yeah. his face. So every villain apparently had to reference the Wicked Witch in the 1980s. You know, I, I, like I, I do think it's funny, too, after she's dead and they go back to the wizard, he goes, oh, you liquidated her, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that wasn't funny. Oh, that is a great, that is a great <laughs> line. If they knew how to kill her, why yeah. <laughs> maybe that information would have been a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> or you guys could have poured it on her as a coup. Again, everybody's relying on Dorothy to do all their work for them in this movie. Nobody has a fire hose available. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is going on with this world? Does it never rain in us? We can't do it until Dorothy shows up. But uh, yeah, uh, just in general, like I think the movie does hold up. Like as far as I'm concerned, I think it's a classic. I, I think the story beats. It's it's indelible. It's so ingrained in our culture. We take it for granted a little bit. We do take it for granted. Which is ironic because that's the whole purpose of the movie. That's the whole purpose of the movie is to not take anything for granted and appreciate mm. things. Um, and you know, I, I think the vibrancy of the Technicolor is, is gorgeous to look at. It's you so know, in this rich. movie, it's yeah. it's rich. Uh, the set designs are beautiful. It still feels like a fantasy land. Like so much imagination. There's something so 
exhilarating when you're watching this movie and you, we see Dorothy, you know, the house lands and she goes, oh, you know, and everything gets kind of still, it's black yeah. and white. And then how slowly she opens the door and the way the camera pans, it's as if we're walking through it with her. Mm-hmm. And you see the door kind of open up and then the, the music they play, it's like that dream like, Oh, yeah. music and mm-hmm. it, it's just it's like oh my goodness like mm-hmm. if you weren't hooked you are now yeah and yeah, I just I, say, I just saw it's so I couldn't awesome. imagine seeing it in like 1939 oh where there weren't a lot of color movies movies in yeah. color and no. there were a lot of people that was probably the first color movie I mean I this movie I really feel like took took movies and musicals to the mm-hmm. next level mm-hmm. think about all the great musicals that came after this and mm-hmm. then on into the 50s and they sort of died out in the 60s but yeah. this movie I really think set the bar with the it, quality of music, the the acting, you know. This probably set the stage for yeah. the uh, MGM musical. That was their mm-hmm. brand for the forties. Was the musical mm-hmm. Gene Kelly eventually came on board and you know. <laughs> you think, I just thought this off. You think Ted Turner ever was like, I'm gonna fix that beginning. Wait till I get my hands on that, you know. <laughs> why Why is the first half in black and white and why is the second half in color? Keep it color, people. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't confuse the audience. Don't confuse the audience with those tricks. <laughs> uh, but I uh, think... That's um, a nightmare. Yeah. I know, yeah. Don't get me started on colorization. <laughs> um, but and I think it holds up remarkably well. Like I think it did set the standard for the MGM musical. Uh, and... It, it, it seems to transcend that too because it's yeah. people so they all personalize this movie in a way they don't with other films mm-hmm. you know and this came out in the year that we've talked touched base on a little bit a lot of people consider 1939 is probably the single greatest year in film history because of all the films that were released mm-hmm. not only was it gone with the wind but the wizard of oz but they had stagecoach which was john wayne's breakthrough a philadelphia story uh that was a year later actually 1940 later? yeah but was same era Okay. Uh, um, and um, <laughs> we won't hold those technicalities, you know, against anybody. Yeah, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Mr. Smith Goes to Washington came out. Yeah, that did come out this year. And I think Young Mr. Lincoln, which I don't know if that's a classic, but that was with Henry Fonda. This year was kind of like a turkey. Oh, that's not Young Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis made an appearance in Young Mr. Lincoln. I think that was a John Ford movie, as was uh, the, cert, the the Stagecoach. So John Ford had a big year. But yeah, this was a turning point. Yeah, like This is really what was. became, I think, this year set the, the, the tone for what we know as classic Hollywood. Hollywood. I yeah. agree. I agree with you. Um, I like before we close out a podcast. I always like to say, like the best way to watch a film outside of a theater is on Blu-ray. And The Wizard of Oz has been released on Blu-ray several oh my times. Wow. Most of them in big box sets, like they'll have three to four discs. The most recent was in like 2013. They had a a 75th anniversary edition of wow. the film. And I will say this: I own a copy. I think it was from 2000. You do? I do on Blu-ray. On I highly recommend anybody who loves this movie you need to own this on Blu-ray it looks pristine they have several special features audio commentary Cindy Pollock hosts one uh, where they go through all these tidbits and historical I like that stuff and a lot of documentaries so highly recommend pick it up in any form if you don't pick up the collector's edition I think they have a two disc set out there that gets has all the special features on it. Just doesn't have like the trappings. Like they'll have yeah. like gift things and stuff. But it's a great box set. And it looks pristine. Warner Brothers released it because they own the MGM catalog now. So, oh, wow. 
So, uh, yeah, so uh, that's our thoughts on The Wizard of Oz. Uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Adam, yes. for making an appearance today. Thank you for having me. Adam, I know you have a few things coming up, like, as far as comedy is concerned, right? Like, different events and whatnot. Plug away. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm just around town. Uh, <laughs> that's oh, he's a, being modest. The best plug ever. <laughs> he's being modest. He's in Super Secret Show, yeah. which you guys mm-hmm. perform at the Wild Goose Creative Um I would say probably on average at least once a month, right? Yeah, I think we're about there about once a month now. Okay. Right. And then you do stand-up occasionally as yes. well in town. Yes. Yeah. Usually just open mic nights. <laughs> open mic nights. And- Check them out. <laughs> on that note, and as a pop culture junkie, I have to let you share this with the audience, but please tell us your growing pain story with the character Boner. <laughs> oh my goodness. It has nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz, but I want to throw it out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know how interesting this is, but <laughs> no, it, well, uh, it was just uh, I was talking about uh, one of my stand ups. My mom actually came to watch it, so I was talking about her favorite joke of all time, and it was actually on uh, Growing Pains. It was an episode where uh, Mike Seaver and his best friend Boner <laughs> they had to find out where 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 their uh, teacher coach lived, and so they broke into the office and. Um, uh, they <laughs> can't, I can't remember. They they like go through like some files and they they find like uh, his uh, tax return forms or something and and uh, uh, Mike looks at the form and he's like, oh man, and Boner's like, what? And he's like, ah, it's just a just list a PO box number. And Boner says, oh man, if I lived in a box, I'd be PO too. <laughs> and for some reason, this joke, my mom will like, she just. Cries like she is, she's like reduced to a puddle on the ground, like immovable. Like every time this like, came on syndication, yeah, like, somebody in my house happened to notice, we'd like yell to each other, and like we'd, my mom come to the room, and she would start if she knew the episode was on, she would just start laughing before like she even got in the room, and like couldn't even like physically get in the room because she was laughing so hard. And like now, like all we have to do is just refer to you know the joke, and my mom will like literally be in tears crying. Oh it's such a left field it's growing change joke, too. It's such a horrible joke. I know. <laughs> it must be like, there's got to be something else. Maybe it's the way he says it, the look on his face. It's got to be something else. I don't know. How was Boner's comedic timing? I don't remember. Yeah, he had some comedic timing. Yeah, he's got the, he's got the voice. He's like, yeah, he was like a Sylvester oh, right, Stallone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wasn't his yeah. name Boner Stabone? Boner Stabone, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's bad. <laughs> it was the 80s. Huh? Yeah. Everybody had Sylvester Stallone references. Uh, but yeah, we want to thank Adam, obviously, for coming on. He was a yes. great guest. And... Uh, we also have projects to know that you have an ovarian cancer event coming up soon as well. We do. Next, actually, this coming Thursday, August 25th, join us at the CD1025 Big Room, which is in Columbus, Ohio, down on Front Street. Uh, we're doing an improv showcase uh, that will benefit the Ovarian Cancer Alliance of Ohio. So all of the funds that we raise uh, via ticket sales and raffles will be immediately donated to the Ovarian Cancer Alliance of Ohio. And I'll be performing that night. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Show starts at 7. Tickets are $8, but it's for an amazing cause. And uh, if you are listening and you're listening before that date, feel free to join us. We'd love to connect with our listeners, and um, it should be a fun night all around. Absolutely, and uh, Scott and I are going to be performing off and on as well, both independently and together too, and and Tony as well. So, and also check us out, Cinema Wheeler Tay, on all social media outlets such yeah. as um, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Yeah. Thank you so much.
We've done what you told us. We brought you the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. We melted her. Oh, you liquidated her, eh?